Hey, all you trick-or-treaters, welcome back to another episode of your favorite podcast, That Would Be Rad, a podcast that majors in 80s and 90s nostalgia, cryptozoology, vintage horror movies, comic culture, all things paranormal, and minors in retro video games, tabletop RPGs, pre-internet mysteries, and raising our kids to be half as cool as we were back in the 80s. We are your spooky hosts, Woody Brown and Tyler Bentz. Oh, man, it is here, brother. It's here. Now, listeners, I want you to buckle up. Get ready. Because Mm -hmm. this is one of my favorite episodes that we do now, we can say it, every year. Oh, yeah. This is the October Spooktacular finale, which means we have brought you some of the scariest Stories this Halloween that we could find. Some of them are true accounts from our own lives. So lock your doors and windows, put in your headphones, and get ready to be scared. In a small village with no more than 700 inhabitants, located in the county of Northampton, England, In the early to mid-1800s, there lived a Mrs. Webb. Mrs. Webb had lived her entire life in that village. She knew everyone, and everyone knew her. Even from a young age, she was always quite tall in comparison to the other girls, and the same was true as she got older, making her easily recognizable around town. It wasn't until later in life that she married, but she married a wealthy man, and although they never had any children of their own, for many years, they lived happily. Sadly, her husband passed away, and she was left widowed, living inside the large country home all by herself. Coming from a family of meager means, she had always been frugal with her money, but even after coming into wealth, she was known for becoming increasingly more miserly. Townspeople noted that she would rarely spend any money, became obsessive, and lived a very tight-fisted life and hoarded her money in secret places. Old Widow Webb, as she began to be known, spent most of her days inside her empty home rather than out and about the village. People would occasionally see her peering out of her upstairs window, but then quickly disappearing into the shadows once she noticed that she had been seen. On a cold, dark February evening, two of her neighbors, after not seeing her for some time, decided to check in on Mrs. Webb. They soon realized that the old widow had fallen ill, and they took it upon themselves to care for her. They sent word to Mrs. Webb's nephew, Alan Hart, whose farm was within a half-day's ride from the village. He came at once and helped repair things around the house and care for his sick aunt. On March 3rd, 1851, at the stroke of two in the morning, old widow Webb died. To her nephew, Mr. Hart, she left all of her possessions, her home, and her remaining wealth. But... Mr. Hart was a farmer, and since he and his family lived on their farm, he simply stripped the house of everything, boarded it up, and returned to his farm. 
month then passed. Village life had, of course, been unchanged. The air was beginning to warm, the plants becoming greener, the farmers ridding their land for the upcoming harvests. One quiet night, the neighbors living next door to old Widow Webb's home were suddenly awakened. Loud, frightening sounds causing them to jolt out of bed. Sounds of dragging furniture, heavy thuds, and moans. Shivering and puzzled, the neighbors glanced over at the clock hanging on their wall. It was exactly two o'clock in the morning. Begging her husband to go and investigate, he reluctantly agreed, grabbed a lantern, and pried the old Widow Webb's door open. When he opened the door and the lantern light cascaded across the entry, he found the house was absolutely empty, the dusty floors untracked, not even a single sign of any disturbance. So they chalked it up to their imagination and went back home, settled into bed and soon forgot the matter. Another month went by and a new family named Ackleton rented the house and soon moved in. Mr. and Mrs. Ackleton shared Mrs. Webb's old bedroom with their 10-year-old daughter who slept at the other end of the room. But before long, they too began to hear the eerie noises. Night after night, sounds of moving furniture, banging, thuds against the walls, woke them from their sleep and chilled them to their bones. Always as the clock struck two in the morning. One night, after several weeks of this terror, Mr. and Mrs. Ackleton were terrifyingly awakened to their daughter screaming, Mother, there's a woman in our room. The parents quickly ran to the other end of the room, right to their daughter's side. But by the time they were there, this woman was gone. Asked to describe what the woman looked like, the daughter's description perfectly described the old widow Webb. It was exactly 2 a.m. Seven times thereafter, once each seven nights, the ghost of the woman reappeared each time as the clock struck two. But then the visitation ceased. The sounds of bump in the night halted. Things seemingly went back to normal, and the Ackletons were finally able to rest well. Some time passed, and Mr. Ackleton was called away for business. Before leaving for the trip, he had his mother-in-law come to stay with the family while he was away. The very night after he left, it happened again. Only this time, the ghost muttered a single word. It was, of course, exactly two in the morning. The next night, they hired a neighbor to come and stay with them. This time, as the clock struck two, strange, ethereal, luminous orbs of light rose from the foot of the child's bed and disappeared into a sealed trap door in the ceiling. Now, for the first time, a deathly moaning accompanied it. The same thing happened the next night. Now the moaning was clear, 
It was the sound of a woman dying. When Mr. Ackleton returned from his trip and learned about these strange events, he immediately called Widow Webb's heir, Mr. Hart. Together, they agreed there must be a message in those visitations. So, that very night, they opened the concealed trap door in the ceiling. Carefully, they explored the attic. At last, they found something. Hidden behind several dusty, boarded-up cases, there was a secret stash of old papers, records, deeds, banknotes, and a large bag of gold. Mr. and Mrs. Hart rejoiced at the find that added to their inheritance. Obviously, that's what Widow Webb's ghost wanted them to find. Now, surely the Ackletons would be bothered no more. But that was not the end. A few nights later, the ghost of Widow Webb reappeared. And again, the thumping and the moans. Again, Mr. Hart was summoned. He was at a complete loss to explain it. Surely, the old lady's ghost should be satisfied unless... unless there was something else. But... but what? Once again, they leafed through the attic papers, trying to find some sort of clue that would point them in the right direction. And this time, Mrs. Hart came upon a neat bundle of unpaid bills. Acting completely on instinct, they dutifully paid each and every outstanding bill using the gold and bonds that they had found in the attic. Then, finally, at last, when all of Mrs. Webb's debts had been paid, all of the visitations ceased. Thereafter, Nothing strange, uncanny, or terrifying ever disturbed the old Widow Webb's house again. Do you ever hear strange sounds coming from your neighbor's house? (laughs) So up until last week's episode where we got into talking about uh, the lady in white phenomenon, I had almost completely forgotten about an event that had actually happened to me about 15 or 16 years ago. I was living at the time up in Cleveland, Georgia, which is about an hour and a half Uh, north of Atlanta. I was living in this sort of open loft space above a two-car garage that was next to the house, my mom's house, that I would grew up in. Uh, It was basically a large open room with one window on one side that uh, looked out over the driveway. 
you know, I kind of had a long drive, winding driveway and uh, facing the road and then a window out the back, you know, that was probably, I don't know, 15 or 20 feet up. Directly below the window was like a pasture that we kept, a horse that we used to have in. And then, you know, further on, it got into woods and then there was an intersection of uh, two creeks that actually uh, converged that were on the property. Basically what happened was I was sort of woken up at around three or four in the morning. One of the weirdest parts about it is as soon as I got up, it was almost like, it was almost like I was awakened by something. And the second that I got up, I immediately walked over to the back window, which was just kind of weird on its own. Also, actually just thinking about it right now, I have a sort of missing time story that happened that actually kind of shares a similar thing where I'm just sort of, you know, I just kind of have something in my head that's telling me to go in a certain direction, and I just kind of do it. It's like my body does it. So anyway, I woke up, immediately got out of bed, walked across the room to the the back window. I raised the window. It was a sort of pretty bright moonlit night, I guess. Pretty, pretty, you know, full moon, I guess. And I looked down, like I said, it was around 15 or 20 feet below, and there was like a pasture. And as I look down, I see something white. And I just, you know, rose from my slumber, if you will. So my eyes hadn't fully adjusted, and I was... At the time, I thought I was still half asleep, but... I see something white down below, which almost looked like um, just something or somebody wearing something white. I couldn't really tell you the size. I would say just average human height, but definitely something that was wearing white. It didn't really look, uh, it was pretty nondescript for the middle of the night and as high up as I was. You know, again, this is 15 feet below me, probably. I see this thing, and oddly enough, it was sort of moving slowly uh, from my right side, which would have been along this fence line. As it was kind of coming into my view, I realized that, you know, it went from kind of woke up and I was kind of doing everything fast to all of a sudden it became very real and I was suddenly very awake. And I was somewhat a little scared. You know, it went from me sticking my whole head out the window to look down to, you know, now I'm barely sticking my head out the window and it's it's a little creepy. And I see this thing, this white figure, and it's 
just moving across my view, probably a little faster than an average gate. Just looking down on it from the window, it's just kind of gliding, gliding across my view. It kind of continues on and from the back window, if you stick your head out the window, you can see it basically goes into the woods. You know, obviously in the middle of the night, it gets all dark and you can't really see much. It kind of glides and it moves. And when I say glides, I don't mean I could see it floating above the ground. I think it's important that I say that. I couldn't see it like technically, quote unquote, like levitating or flying or anything. It was just the the only thing I can think of is, which is sort of a, a random analogy, but it's it reminded me of uh, Home Alone when he had the uh, Michael Jordan on the train tracks and he's just kind of gliding, or, you know, the cardboard cutout. He's just like, you know, riding around on the train. It was kind of like that. It literally looked like it was on tracks. That's the only way that I can I can sort of describe it. It it kind of moves and it then it goes out of my vision as it enters in to the woods. Which those woods basically they kind of slope down into an area where there's like a creek, sort of a low area, and then it kind of comes back up into my grandmother's backyard. That's what I can see from the back. I mean, and all this is happening within the course of, I don't know, several, you know, maybe a minute and a half, maybe two minutes kind of thing. So when this happens, when it, when it disappears out of view, I suddenly run to the front window, which is the across the room. I immediately open the window. If I'm looking out that window and I stick my head out the window, I can look to my right. The driveway was kind of a loop, so I can see the driveway that goes down the hill to my grandparents' house and into their driveway garage area, and then it slopes up into the main road, and, you know, that's about as far as you can see. I stick my head out the window, and I'm looking, and as the milliseconds are passing, I'm starting to think about the whole thing. I'm starting to think, like, well, that was really weird. You know, I woke up. It was like I was a, I was a man on a mission. I knew that I needed to go to the back window and look down, and I'm dreaming, and I was half asleep, and none of this is really happening. And the second that I'm starting to doubt myself, I see my grandmother's motion lights jump on. I'm terrible with distance, but I would say maybe the length of a football field to my grandparents' house. But the motion light comes on, and then just like what I saw at my house, I see this white figure glide across their driveway, glide right across their yard, and then into the main road. And so uh, I know this story is short. I don't really have much more on it. Um, I know that uh, I, you know, I'd scoured the internet looking for what this could be and 
so we live in you know North Georgia, which is you know in the Appalachian Mountains and and that sort of Appalachia, and um, it's there's a thing that's called uh, granny magic or mountain magic, and in that sort of world, if you will, they have an entity that they call a white shadow. I have no idea if any of this. Uh, ties in with that, but that's about the only thing, you know, that's about the only thing I found. You know, hopefully with this podcast, one day we'll figure out what that thing is. But as of now, I have absolutely no idea. Halloween can be a scary time, not because of witches or ghosts that we know aren't real but because of real things that can spoil our fun. Just remember these few important things I've told you about. Carve your pumpkin carefully. Make sure that you can see. And make sure people can see you. Remember all your safety rules and take off your mask when you cross a street. Trick or treat! Trick or treat in your own neighborhood. And don't keep any treats that don't look right. If you can do all that, then you won't have to worry about scary, real things happening on Halloween. Right? Right. After these messages. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. America's future can be determined by our dreams and our visions. It was very For over 200 years, there have been reports of giant man-like creatures. From another dimension, another world, I don't know. The most intriguing mystery on the North American continent. Hey, this is Bryce Johnson from the Bigfoot Collectors Club, and you're listening to Tyler and Woody on That Would Be Rad, because that is rad. When I first started dating my wife, I remember she told me this story and it's one of those stories that I think we can all relate to. It's all happened to us at some point. Heck, it is really the basis for a lot of the ways that scary movies begin. And this happened to her in real life. 
Now, I begged, I pleaded, I tried to get her to come on and tell the story herself, but her compromise was that she wrote it out for me, and I'm going to tell it now. I was at my house by myself. I was maybe 17 or 18 years old. The house in the small town where we lived was actually located outside of town. A good way, so no visible neighbors really at all. The main floor had these tall windows throughout the entire level on all sides. So if I was at home alone at night, I would always be upstairs in a locked room watching TV because otherwise I would feel like somebody could watch me from outside without being able to see them if I was downstairs. I was kind of surrounded by woods and again, no real visible neighbors anywhere. I remember on this night in particular, I was in my mom's room upstairs watching TV and talking to my best friend Leanne and Tyler, who she was dating at the time, on the phone. Her house was kind of a Cape Cod style home with attic space above the ceiling on the second level. My mom's closet had a pull down attic door in its ceiling. It was pretty late at night, you know, well after dark, maybe 10, 30, 11, maybe even a little after that. While I was talking to them on the phone, I heard what sounded like footsteps in the attic above my mom's closet. We've had so many animals in our house in the past, you know, living so rural, squirrels, birds, including owls, all kinds of things. This didn't sound like that at all. It sounded like a human walking slowly. Now, this was back in the day when there weren't as many cell phone towers. And so the cell phone that I had at the time basically almost had no service at my house. And so I was always forced to use the cordless landline that my mom had at her house. Also, we didn't have an alarm system growing up. I told Tyler and Leanne what I was hearing and started to get pretty scared. So they told me to come over to where they were. I don't remember every detail, but I do remember that whatever it was kept happening. It scared me so much that I hung up with Tyler and Leanne and I called my dad. I guess maybe I thought he would come over and check it out for me. Maybe even save the day. My parents were divorced, but he lived about 20 minutes away, and they got along really well, and I knew that no matter what, my mom would understand. He was kind of our go-to for coming and getting the animals out of the house and making us feel safe, since it was just me and my mom living in the house while my brother was in college. So when I called, I expected him to calmly say, I'll be right there. Instead, He very quickly, very seriously said, 
here's what I want you to do. Stay on the phone with me, get your stuff, go down and get in your car and drive here as soon as you can. It took my breath away. I don't know now and I don't remember whether he ever gave me an explanation for why he was so serious, but it certainly didn't help my fear at that moment. He was a well-known lawyer in our pretty small town, so he knew a lot more about potential dangers than I did. I was just some 17, 18-year-old kid, so it's possible I assumed he knew enough to think I needed to get out of there ASAP. So here I am, alone, terrified, and now I have to walk downstairs with all those windows after hearing what sounded like human footsteps in my attic. If there was someone or something outside my house, they could definitely see me, but I would never be able to see them. I carefully opened the door, and once I got downstairs, I can only explain what I thought I heard outside was what sounded like geese or some other kind of large birds making noises as if they were disturbed. But at that time, I didn't live near the lake where you would expect geese to be. Seeing geese in my area is not really a thing. But the fact is, I kept hearing strange, very weird noises outside those dark windows which freaked me out even more. My dad was still on the line, telling me to get to my car as soon as possible, practically yelling at me on the other end of the phone, which again, wasn't really helping to calm me down. We had an attached carport at the time, fully enclosed on three sides, looking like a normal garage, just missing the garage doors, essentially. I was completely terrified to have to go out to an unprotected area to get in my car but I summoned the courage and I did I ran in my car as fast as I could still holding the cordless phone in my hand with a death grip opened the door got in locked it and of course the cordless phone wasn't working anymore because as I backed out of the carport it was too far from its base So at that point, I had to try to switch to my cell phone, which I was nervous to do because my dad at the time didn't have call waiting. So I'd have to hang up and call him again, meaning I wouldn't have him on the phone for even a small amount of time. Of course, in my mind, that's when whatever it was that was stalking me would choose to attack. But I made it. I started driving down the long driveway through the dark wooded barrier on both sides of my long driveway. At this point in my young life, I had this thing where, for some reason, I would fill up my gas tank like $5 at a time and was essentially always on the brink of running out of gas. It was almost comical that legitimately running out of gas was something that I was known for among my friends. 
It happened to me more times than I could count at this age. Once I got onto the main road headed towards town, racing to get to my dad's house, I realized that the needle was far past empty and that I had been on empty for so long. At this point, in my mind, there was no way I was going to be able to make it to a gas station. So now, I was going to be stranded out in the middle of the country, no houses near me, with this person or thing coming after me. It was so late, there were no other cars on the back roads I was taking. I got to a four-way stop, still on my cell phone with my dad. And that's when he asks the question that for as long as I live, I will never forget. Babe, he asked, did you check the back seat of your car? car? I hadn't. My heart felt like it was going to explode. My eyes immediately darted to the rearview mirror, hoping or not hoping to catch something lurking in the shadows of my back seat. Obviously, this wasn't helping. In fact, to conserve gas, I decided I should drive about 20 miles an hour. Right as I came into town, literally my car began sputtering. And finally, completely shut off. I was out of gas. I was able to coast into the first gas station in town that was still open this late. I made it. I got gas, filled up my car, and drove on to my dad's that night. He came over the next day and looked around the house, but of course, he found nothing. I've never experienced anything overtly supernatural, so this is the only story I have of the most horror movie type scared I have ever been. Did you check the back seat of your car? Now, if I remember right, the reason she told me this story to begin with was because I shared a story with her that happened to me back whenever I was in college. I remember it was fall. And I say that because for me, where I went to school, fall was always a really special time. It was great because you got to see a lot of the friends that you hadn't seen potentially all summer long. And everybody was back at school and there was just this energy that surrounded that season and that semester. And because of that, there was always some really good parties. Well, one Friday, I remember my roommate at the time telling me that he was going to go home for the weekend, which wasn't all that uncommon because both of us were from a town that was, you know, about an hour and a half away from where we lived close to campus. That night, I went over to a friend's house who was having a party and we had a great time. But being the responsible adult that I was, decided it would probably be best that I get a ride home rather than drive myself back to my apartment. It must have been 
one or two o'clock in the morning by the time I got dropped off. But, you know, the parking lot in front of our apartments was kind of unique in that the parking spots were located directly in front of our front door. And so I could tell my truck at my friend's house wasn't there, of course, but also my roommate wasn't home. And for that matter, pretty much a lot of the apartment complex was empty that weekend for whatever reason. So I did the normal nighttime routine, brushed my teeth, got ready for bed, probably threw an old 80s movie in my VCR and started to fall asleep. Eventually, the TV had turned off. I set the timer on it to shut off on its own. It's always the still of the night when you're dead asleep that you can, I feel like, hear the best. Because all of a sudden, I heard what sounded like a door close. And it woke me up. Not just any door, but my apartment's front door. Now, the way our apartment was arranged, you would come in through the front door. There was a set of stairs directly in front of you that led to the bedrooms. Or you could go to the right of the staircase, and that's where our living room and then behind it, kitchen, were. I wasn't sure if it was just my imagination. You know how sometimes you dream, and in your dream, you might hear something, and when you wake up, you don't really remember if you were woken up by a strange noise or if it was just something in your dream that kind of jolted you awake. While I was having that sort of internal crisis, I heard some strange thumps from downstairs. Being careful to not make any noise, I quietly peeled back my covers, put my feet on the ground, and walked slowly and extremely quietly over to my window. I peeled back the curtain to see maybe if my roommate's car was there or something. When I peeled back the curtain and looked down at the parking lot, it remained empty. No cars were parked in front of my door. At this point, my heart is just beating out of my chest because at the same time that I'm looking out the window, I hear something crash downstairs. As I'm slowly trying to tell myself, this is just your imagination, I'm sure it might be, you know, the next door neighbors because... You know, we share a wall on one side. Maybe I just heard what's going on over there. I start to make my way back to my bed. And that's when I start hearing these slow, heavy footsteps coming up the stairs. There was also this weird sort of dragging sound coming up the wall in the stairwell. This time I knew it wasn't my imagination. But what do I do? I'm by myself, and I don't know who is on the other side of this door. Why are they here? Am I being robbed? Is this just some weird psycho killer that knows that I'm here by myself? What is going on? This can't be happening. 
The heavy footsteps continue. The dragging against the wall continues. Believing that this intruder could potentially even hear me breathing, I try to slow my breath down. I try to slow my heartbeat down. I slowly and quietly walk over to my chest of drawers. Open the top drawer where I have a big, sharp knife. Standing there near my door, gaining the courage to open it quickly, something bumps it. I am in pure awe. The lights in the stairwell were never turned on. The hallway light outside of my bedroom remained off. I can't see anybody's shadow. Nothing tries to turn the doorknob. I'm just standing there at my door, knife in hand, ready. I don't hear any other noises. Nothing. Complete silence. Again, my heart is just pounding out of my chest. I begin to just get my courage up and and kind of psych myself out and get ready to either punch somebody or defend myself in some way and to open my door. I slowly grab the doorknob, careful not to rattle it, careful not to make any noise so that I could still potentially have the element of surprise on whoever is on the other side. I slowly turn it, fully, until I know that it will open immediately when I pull the door towards myself. I take a deep breath. I clench my fist. And I pull the door open as fast as I can, yelling at the top of my lungs. This battle cry, ready to just scare the pants off of whoever has intruded in my house. And no one's there. I yell. Hello? Nothing. I flick on all of the lights. I look behind the shower curtain in my bathroom. No one. I quickly run downstairs. The doors are still locked. The deadbolt still bolted. No broken windows. No open windows. No signs of anyone. I look under the couch. I look under the chairs. I look in the kitchen. I even open the fridge. No one. I go back upstairs, fully convinced that I must have been sleepwalking or having some sort of waking dream, something. And then I realize I haven't checked my roommate's room. That has to be the only place this person could be. My roommate's car isn't in the parking lot. Almost no one's is. I slowly open his door. The lights from the hallway begin to light up his room. There's that moment in your mind when your imagination will create something that doesn't exist potentially that you're looking at. Am I about to open the door and see Michael Myers standing there in front of me 
Or will it be Jason Voorhees with a hatchet? Perhaps even Freddy Krueger himself. Or maybe it's just some deranged, backwoods local, high on meth, who happened to end up in the wrong place at the wrong time. I open the door fully, and then I see someone laying in my roommate's bed. Hello? I say. Zach? I say it louder. Zach! Nothing. The person's not moving. Finally, as the light fills the room, I realize it is Zach. It's my roommate. I'm trying to piece things together. Finally, I kick the bed, yell his name as loud as I can, and say, what are you doing here? He lifts his head up and says, I got a ride. Now, I don't know what that means, but all I know is it explains why his car's not in the parking lot and my heart begins to calm down. This whole time, it had been my roommate who potentially had one too many drinks, decided not to go home and went to a different party instead. He also got a ride and ended up stumbling his way through the apartment, making noise as he tried to find a snack before he stumbled up the stairs, leaning heavily against the wall, finally making it to his own room. Not all scary stories end in tragedy, or even with resolve. Sometimes the mystery lingers throughout your life, the details growing more and more scary as time moves on. Sometimes what you see out your window late at night, or the things that go bump in the night, aren't easily explained away by an inebriated roommate or an overactive imagination. Perhaps it's someone from another life, simply trying to resolve the things they left behind so that they can move on in peace. Perhaps it's a visitor trying to tell you or show you something you need to see. Or maybe it's something more sinister. It's evil plan to lure you into its horrifying grasp. And although you may elude them, perhaps one day they'll find you again when you least expect it. So keep your eyes peeled and be careful out there. We love you. We appreciate you. Stay spooky this Halloween. And as always, be rad. Ha 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 